So I wanted to kind of start off, you know, I always like to tell like a life application story, right? So I know we have some, some folks here that are fairly carpentry talented, right? Yeah, Aaron, I've seen some of your work. You're, you're, you're pretty talented. You're pretty talented. I am not as talented. But, so this last week, I had the opportunity. Uh, on Black Friday, a couple weeks ago, Heidi uh, bought us a television. Uh, she, bought, she bought this new TV, and she bought the wall hanger and all of that. Yeah, don't even go there yet, Steve. <laughs> so I had um, this whole thing. And I said, I look at the wall, and I'm thinking, I know exactly where the stud is at. I know exactly where the stud is at. Are you impressed that I know that it's called a stud? <laughs> well, let's not get into that. So anyways, so as I'm, as I'm looking at the wall, I'm like, this is where the stud is at. Heidi says, did you use the stud finder? I said, no, I know where the stud is at. I'm like, listen. She's like, I don't know, buddy. I don't know. I said, don't worry about it. Just go away. I'll fix this. <laughs> so, as you all can probably guess, who was wrong? Yeah. There are multiple holes in my wall right now that will tell you that I was wrong. I have found the stud since. There's a few holes in the wall. TV covers a multitude of sins. Cover, the TV covers a multitude of sins. And I thought I'd tell you guys about that, right? I, I like to tell them myself. Uh, because there's always a moral to the story. And one of the things that really bothered me, and Heidi actually heard me say in this moment, was, what is the matter with that builder? Because this is where the stud should be. Because <laughs> that's where my TV needs to be at. And, uh, huh, I was like, dude, why didn't you consult with me? I'm like, I know where I want my TV to hang. You know, not really worried about load-bearing ports of the wall. Not really worried about where the electrical goes. I'm just like, hey, this is where my TV should be, so this is where the stud should be, right? I'm, I guess I'm going to go ask the question to myself was, did the builder need me to validate where he put the wall at and where he put that stud at? And uh, the answer as I came back to that was, he probably didn't need my help. And he probably wasn't all that concerned with where my TV was going to go. He was thinking about, hey, how does the roof stay in place where it's supposed to be at? And uh, you know, some of those important things like, uh, does it pass code? Not does it make a difference where my TV goes. And so, you know, today's lesson was a, was a hard one for me. I told my Sunday school class this morning um, that uh, I, I almost, you know, had words for Aaron this week when I was preparing this message. Because uh, I was like, dude, really? That's what you want me to talk about? I have no idea what I'm talking about. And uh, even called him, said, hey, what, what am I doing with this? And he's like, oh, just pray about it. I'm like, jerk. Um, <laughs> I was really hoping for his outline. <laughs> Didn't quite happen. So, but really what I, what I want to talk about today is, is our lesson. It, it really is about Jesus telling the world where he fits into the picture for those who are listening and who are looking for him. Right? 
That's exactly what it is, because Jesus is the definer. Jesus is the builder. He, doesn't, he explains in today's passage that he's not going to fit into the world's ideas. He's not going to fit into their box. He's not going to be something that fits into a box. He's going to tell them today, I am the box. I am the builder. And it's my plan that matters. I am the one who validates where I go and where I'm at and who achieves and who, who his validation is achieved through. So it gives us a clue into his character today. It gives us um, a little bit of his motivation to see who he is. And that's really where we need to look at. And it also tells us how we should get our validation in life. And so validation is a big word. It just means where we get our stamp of approval. Or we get our okay. You're okay. And that's really, really important today. Um, I'm going to read our scripture. It's really long. I'm sorry. But there's a lot to unpack in there today. It's a really, really long scripture. And um, we're, we're going to be in John chapter 7. We're going to read verses 1 through 24. But one of the important things, and you say, well, what does the validation of Jesus mean? What is, that, what is that all about, right? And really, it's about affirming who he is. That's what this whole series that we've been preaching on since September, September, August, is, is knowing who Jesus is, right? We want to know him. We want to know his character. We want to know his motivation. We want to know him, like, in a relationship piece. I want to be able to talk to him just like I talk to my wife. I don't want it to be some Sunday morning thing. I want to know exactly who he is. And that's really where we're going to go here. And that's what we're trying to accomplish is, is who is Jesus today? So let's read our scripture today. We're praying. I, I'm sorry, it is long. It says, after this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. And he wanted to stay out of Judea where the Jew, Jewish leaders were plotting his death. But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. And Jesus replied, Now is not the right time for me to go. You can go anytime. The world can't hate you. But it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. You go on. I'm not going to the festival because my time has not yet come. And after saying these things, Jesus remained in Galilee. But after his brothers left for the festival, Jesus also went, though secretly staying out of the public view. The Jewish leaders tried to find him at the festival and kept asking if anyone had seen him. There was a lot of grumbling about him among the crowds. And some argued, he is a good man. And others said, he is nothing but a fraud who deceives the people. But no one had the courage to speak favorably about him in public, for they were afraid of getting in trouble with the Jewish leaders. And then midway through the festival, Jesus went up to the temple and began to teach. The people were surprised when they heard him. And they said, how does he know so much when he hasn't been trained, they asked. So Jesus told them, my message is not my own. Oh, he's laying it down for him thick now. It comes from God who sent me. Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or merely of my own. Those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves. But a person who seeks to honor the one who sent him speaks truth, not lies. Jesus gave, or Moses gave you the law, but none of you obeys it. In fact, you're trying to kill me. 
And the crowd replied, you, you're demon-possessed. Who's trying to kill you? And Jesus replied, I did a miracle on the Sabbath, and you were amazed. But you work on the Sabbath, too, when you obey Moses' law of circumcision. For if the correct time for circumcising your son falls on the Sabbath, you go ahead and do it so not to break the law of Moses. So why should you be angry with me for healing a man on the Sabbath? Look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. So right there, guys, Jesus tells us, he's very clear about his validation. Where our validation, our sense of worth, our belonging, our destiny and our future should come from. Right? He's telling us very clearly if we listen to him. So I want to pray over this service today. It's a, it's a hard message. It's, 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 it's deep in some ways. In some ways, it's just right out there in the front. But I want to pray over it today. So if you bow your heads with me, let's do that. Father, we love you. We thank you today, God, that we can come here and we can be in your presence, Father. Lord, that we can know who you are without a shadow of a doubt this morning. God, that you are not what we put in a box, Lord, but you are the box. Lord, that you are the builder and the planner this morning, God. Lord, we thank you for that, God. Reveal your heart to us. Lord, let the words I speak this morning be yours and not mine. In the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so you all know me enough by now. I've been up here enough. How many, how many points do I preach in a sermon? Three. Right? I'm not smart enough to preach any more than that. Just not. All right? So I'm going to give you our first point today. And this is, this is really important. This is going to be a hard one for you to sink in. Gonna, it's hard. Jesus teaches us right here in these words that our and his validation does not come from people. How many of you are people pleasers? I like to be liked. Right? Steve? Yeah, I'm not worried about you. Just leave. Leave for that point. But in the greatest sense of it all, we, we do seek we want man's approval, right? We want people's approval. But think about this. I want you to think about Jesus' first part of this story today. Is Jesus comes out and his brothers, his very brothers, the closest, the people that are closest to him, and say, come on out, show yourself. Now, they've been with him. They know who he is. It's, they've known him for 30 years. 30 years they've known him. And you know, this is what they basically said to him. I'm going to give you uh, Kelly speak, Kelly translation. Are you worried? You are. <laughs> they said, Jesus, come out and show the world your party tricks. That's really what they were saying. There's no faith. There's no, there's no real belief in Jesus at that moment. They, they said, come on out. Show us your party tricks, Jesus. Make the world believe in you. Now, they've been in the same house with this dude for 30 years. And here they are, still don't believe in him. Can you imagine? i got to tell you, the worst part, I, my biggest fear is when Heidi doesn't believe in me for doing something. Think about that. She knows me better than anyone else in the world. And what if she didn't believe in me? These are his brothers. And they say, Come show us your party tricks. Come show us your party tricks. They didn't want to believe in him. In uh, Matthew 6, 1 and 2, Jesus declares a couple things here for him. And he's kind of setting it up. 
He's setting it up for us to see. Because watch out. Don't do your good deeds, deeds publicly to be admired by others. For you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do it as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they've received all the reward they will get. Now Jesus, I imagine, he's had this conversation with his brothers. He knows where this is going. These are people that are very closest to him, saying, we don't believe in you. And Jesus says, I don't need your validation. I don't need you to tell me that I'm the savior of the world. He tells us right then and there, we don't need the world's approval. He says, I know who I am, and I know who sent me. He didn't just preach it out, though. Think about this. He didn't just preach that out in Matthew 6. He could stand, I could stand up here today, and I can say these things to you. I'll be honest. I don't go home with any of you. i got to go home with her. And this is Jesus saying it in the most intimate moment. It's easy to stand up here sometimes and say, but he says, I know who I am. And I know who sent me. I don't need your validation, world. I validate you. Now there's an interesting piece. When we, uh, I, I always love life application. When Heidi and I decided to move for the very first time from our family down in Texas 10 years ago, 10, 10, 11 years ago, something like that, right? I had a moment where God spoke to me. And I've had about four moments in my life, maybe, where I feel like I've heard this audible voice speak to me. And that's a long story. I won't get into that one. But the hardest thing we had to do was I had to go home and tell my parents. Now, I was 30, 35, 35, 36, something like that, right? And I'll be honest, I never lived that far away from my parents. My parents are kind of like an integral part of our lives. We saw them frequently. We saw them continually. My younger brother lives there. And I had to go to tell my parents, God spoke to me, and I need to move. And I was expecting, you know, I expected a little bit different reaction than what I got, which, praise God for that. But I had to stand in that moment and say, God, you validate me. I don't care even what those who I love the most say to me at this moment because I know that you spoke to me. And you told me it was time to set my feet moving. That's a hard thing to do. But Jesus says, don't worry about people's validation. I'm going to validate my word in you. Now, here I am 10 years later, 11 years later, whatever it is, and I feel pretty validated but not by people, but by God. Right? Jesus also understood when he's talking to his brothers that the miracles don't validate him. Now, we, we talk about miracles. We've talked about them quite a bit. and We think that the miracle validates God. And I'll be honest with you, it'd be nice if that's how simple it was. But if we remember right, all throughout history, in the Bible, there were people who duplicated God's Miracle-working abilities. Remember, remember uh, when the, Moses stands in front of Pharaoh, and he says, here's my rod, and it does all these things, right? What did the sorcerers do? They duplicated it. They didn't, it wasn't what was going to validate Moses in that moment. 
The miracle is not what validated it. And Jesus understood that by telling his brothers, the world doesn't need to see my miracles. We talk about in John constantly that there were only, how many miracles are mentioned in the book of John? You guys should know this by now. Seven miracles in the entire book. It is the least book of miracles of the four Gospels. Least mentioned. But Jesus has this conversation in chapter 7, right after chapter 6. And what did Jesus do in chapter 6? He fed 5,000 people plus with, as Aaron told us a couple weeks ago, a couple sardines and a couple crackers. And there was leftovers. But if we read last week's message, already people were leaving Jesus. We're a couple chapters away. And Jesus says, look, I just showed you. I just did all these miracles. And you still don't believe who I am. You still left me. You still left me. So he understands that there's no reason, that there's no way the miracles are going to validate him. How many times have we heard of God doing amazing things in people's lives, and two years later they still walk away? I have a buddy. I have a buddy that when we were young teenagers, um, he suffered from asthma terribly bad. And we were at a thing. I don't remember, it was a youth conference, and um, I remember God healing his asthma in, in there. And I can tell you today that that young man is not serving the Lord anymore. Amen. And that's weird, right? That's, I don't understand that, because, but this is a great miracle that has happened in his life. And yet here he is, not serving God anymore. Because miracles do not validate who God is. It does not have anything to do with who he is. Oh, it's, 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 it shows his goodness. It shows his care for us. But it doesn't validate him. It doesn't define him. It doesn't define him. This is a, this is a principle that we'll, we'll kind of continue to look at throughout life. We're going to continue to look at through Genesis and through Exodus and through Numbers. When I love the story of the Israelites. You guys know that if you're here on Sunday morning with me. I love the story of Israelites. They're a bunch of doofuses. I mean, seriously, they are a bunch of doofuses. And so what does God give them? He gives them manna. And yet, when they got tired of it, what did they do? They forsook him. They turned his back on him. Here they, I mean, they just wake up in the morning, and all of a sudden, there's food sitting out there. This is pretty awesome. But as soon as they're tired of it, they forsook him. And you know why that is? Because there was no relationship with them. There is no relationship with God. Because if you read the whole story, the first thing they do is they go cry to Moses. They go cry to Moses because they have no relationship with God, because they have no idea who he really is. The validation comes through the relationship. We saw this. And that's what Jesus had just seen. He said, all these people want my food. They want me to give them a little something. But because they have no relationship with me. And so he's left with the twelve. And what does Peter say in chapter 6? Where else would I go, Lord? Where else would I go? Because of the relationship. He's validated through that. When the people of Israel lost sight of Moses when he went up on the, up on the mount to get direction from God, what did they do right away? They poured out, took all their gold, melted it down, and created their own image. Because they have no relationship, there's no substance. There's no way to validate him. Because I'll be honest, 
We have short memories. We have short, short memories of what God has done for us. Without that relationship, we're not able to stand upon on it. So Jesus demonstrated this. Jesus decided, tells us decidedly right there that he will not be defined by the will of man. He will not be put into a box by man. He can't be. His brothers had their own reasoning behind it, and that's, that's the problem here. So why? Jesus' brothers had their own, their own desires out of this. They were self-seeking. They're looking for position. That's how we are as people. I'll be honest with you. Our hearts are ugly. Now, for those of you, is anybody here, other than Aaron, because I know this answer, was anybody a fan of, like, 80s professional wrestling? 80s and 90s professional Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, like, I'm a Hulkamaniac at heart, right? But let me tell you the real truth of my character. So this only goes to those of you who are really professional wrestling fans. Let me tell you the real truth of my character. I'm more like Ric Flair. <laughs> Woo! I have the dirtiest player in the game, right? Because that was the opposites of it. That was, that was the truth of it. They were the total opposites. Hulk, Hulk Hogan, say your prayers, eat your vitamins. Ric Flair, you know. He was a limousine driving, kiss stealing. I can't remember the whole line now, but, right? But at the heart of me, the heart of me, I was always wanted to be Ric Flair. I always wanted to be Ric Flair. And let me just tell you, that's kind of how Jesus' brothers were. They wanted promotion. They, they weren't worried about what Jesus was going to do for the world. They were thinking about themselves. His disciples, later on, we know, think about that Exactly. Here's what, here's what Romans 12, 2 says. It says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person, changing the way you think. See, because Jesus understood our hearts. He understood that we're all a bunch of Ric Flairs. We're evil. And that's why he can't be defined by man. Because man's heart is deceitful and self-seeking. Mark 7, 21 through 23 says this, for from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, I'd like to say, do you get the picture, but let's keep going, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness, all these Vile things come from within. They are what defile you. That's why, that's why man can't define Jesus. That's why Jesus can't take his validation from, from man. Because at the very heart of it, we're all a bunch of Ric Flairs. That's the truth of it. That's the truth of it. God will not allow man to define him or validate him on his, our terms. Because what I want is not always the right thing. I can tell you my heart, and it's not always right. Jesus tells us something else. And here, I like this. Jesus was not defined by the law, but he fulfilled the law. 
Jesus fulfilled the law. See, now you have, he's come to there. He's come to the, the festival. And his brothers have already poo-pooed on him. Now the very people who should be looking for him, who should recognize him, who should know him, the owners of the law, the law, if you will, that's how they thought of themselves, can't even validate him. They can't. Because, once again, why? Man's heart is deceitful. The law had become scoured with man's piece of it. And that's really where Jesus was going. Matthew 5 and 17 says, Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses. Notice he didn't say the law of God. He says the law of Moses. I thought that was an interesting term. The law of Moses. Who's Moses? He's a man. No, I have come to accomplish their purpose. And what was the purpose of the law? What did Jesus come to fulfill? Right? He came to fulfill God's word. He came to define, to, 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 if you will, fulfill God's purpose. He says that a little bit later, but Galatians 19, or 3, 19, excuse me, says, why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. I want to show you guys that you're a bunch of Ric Flairs. You're not the Hulkamaniac. You're a bunch of Ric Flairs. But this is, this is great. That the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God, now this is God gave his law through the angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. And now a mediator is helpful for more than one party, must reach an agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. If there's conflict then between God's law and God's promises, absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we would be made right with by God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. The law had one purpose and one purpose only, guys, to show us how sinful we are. That's it. It was never meant to define who the Savior of the world was. It was just meant to show us who, how sinful we were. That's it. It was to lead us directly to him. That's why the law can't define him. Because it was meant to lead him to it, not for him to be in submission to it. Because Jesus is the only one who can fulfill every requirement of that law. And that is because he gave the law. You can't be defined by the law if you're the one who gave the law. I talked about, he talked about that the law, the law should lead us directly to Jesus. And Jesus leads us directly into relationship with him. And our relationship and our knowledge of him, then we get validated. That's how it works, because Jesus is the validation. Romans 8, 3 and 4 says, The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his, only, his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law could be satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. 
guys get it? The law is not supposed to, to validate Jesus. It just leads us to him. It just leads us to him. If you're looking, if you're looking for some law to validate it, it's not going to happen. It's just going to lead you to him. Now, the final part of our message today, Jesus says, but I am validated by this. And it says, I am validated by God and God alone. And that sounds odd, and that sounds different, and it sounds interesting. You're like, wow, hmm. But this is where the relationship piece plays in, into it. Because if you don't know the Father, how do you know the Son? Is that not the truth? So if you're looking for the world to tell you who Jesus is, they're not going to be able to tell you because they can't. They can't tell you who the Savior is. Only the Father can do that. Aaron said something today. He said, you know, I felt like the, the, the spirit moving. It was the validation of, the, of God in him this morning. It was him working in Aaron. It was, hey, this is what's happening. This is where I'm drawing you in. John 14, or excuse me, John 12, 49 through 50 says, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. Jesus says only God can tell me what to do. Only the Father can tell me where to go. That's pretty awesome when you think about it. He even told him what his purpose on earth was, which was to lead people to him. Luke 22, 4, 42 says, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. I had this analogy come to my head because I'm, I'm kind of a wuss. Um, to be honest, I don't like pain at all. Do I like pain, Heidi? I do not. No. No, no masochism here. Uh, but I was, I was really, because I was praying Thursday night and over this message, and I said, God, just show me. And he says, Kelly, would you ever, ever willingly put a splinter in your finger? Do you know anybody who would just go take a, a, a and, and put a splinter in their finger? No way. There is no part of my own initiative that would do that. But yet Jesus said, Father, not yours. Not my will, but yours. I'll let you drive a spike through my palms. I'll let you drive a spike through my palms. Let me tell you, that's no earthly, that's no manly initiative. There's no endorsement by man, because I'm telling you, I won't even put a splinter in there. Right? That's truth, that's truthfulness, that's validation. See, Jesus always knew his actions were driven for God's purpose and not his own. Because even in that moment, Jesus had a weak moment. He says, if you can take it away, I don't want them to drive nails through my hands. I don't want them to. Because it's your will, Father. Because it's you. Because you told me to. I'll do it. I'll do it. Well, that's a true Savior right there, isn't it? Amen. That's a true Savior. We also talked about 
a little bit about God speaking in our hearts. And Jesus' message rings true in our hearts because God is living within us. We recognize him because of the Spirit of God living in us. You can't recognize Jesus without. There's a whole world outside right now driving up and down Interstate 35 who have no idea who he is. They have no idea, and they're not willing to. John 10, 14 through 16 says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own sheep, and they know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, too, that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them in also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Oh, we have to know his voice. We have to listen to him. We have to spend time there. I'm going to wrap it up here. This is, this is an a, 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 a odd message because we need to know, though. We need to know who the Father is. We need to know who Jesus is. We need to, to be able to validate in our hearts who he is because there's a whole world out there who doesn't know who he is. How can you go and tell them who he is if you don't know how to tell them who he is? Amen. So I'm just going to wrap it up here with this last point. And many of you are wondering if Jesus is calling you today. Today is word presented how you can validate him in your life. And I have a few things I just want to ask today. So this is my part to ask you. Maybe he's calling you today to come to him. Because these words ring true. Because you say, I need a savior. I need someone who would drive nails through their palms for me. Even though I wouldn't put a splinter in my finger for you. Maybe that's who you need in your life today. Some of you, he's just calling you to a deeper walk. Some of you are saying, not because of the words of someone else. Not because your mom, your dad told you, get closer to God. But because today... The Spirit of God rings true in your heart. And he's speaking and you hear him, just like I did that day in Ottumwa, Iowa, on a levee, hearing him call my name. Some of you might need that. Some of you might even be called into a new walk today. Some of you are saying, man, I know God wants more from me. He wants me to lay stuff down. He wants me to pick up a new walk, a new path. And you're saying, man, is that really real? God, could you really be telling me to leave my family and go do what you want me to do? He's speaking to you today. Some of you might just even ask simply, Jesus, are you real? And did you really live that, you might, that I might also? So these are the things I'm just going to pray for you today. We've had an amazing time today. We've had an amazing just power of God that's just walked in this place today. And, and, and some of you are saying, man, he's speaking to my heart. And I'm hoping you'll take these principles today and you will allow them, hear him, and you'll know him today. So I'm going to pray over these things for you because that's one of the things that God put on my heart. You know, usually we like to do an altar call. We like to do something like that. I don't, I don't feel that today. I feel like I'm just supposed to pray these things over you. Is that all right? Okay. Let's bow our heads. Father, we just... I love you, Father. Lord, I know who you are. Because your word says who you are. Your spirit tells us who you are. 
Your love for us, God, tells us who you are. So, Lord, I pray for each and every person out here today, God, as they hear your voice, God, that they would respond to you because they know who you are, just like you called me 11 years ago. And I knew that you were real. Lord, I pray that you would speak to the hearts of your people this morning, God. Lord, I pray that you would confirm your word in them. Lord, that the things that you spoke to their hearts in the most innermost times of their, their prayer time, God, that you would validate them today, Lord, that you give them boldness, that you give them strength, Father, that you would give them courage this morning, courage only that comes from the words of the Father, that comes from the words of a Savior who would die for them. And Jesus, I thank you for them, Lord. I thank you for the new works that you're going to do here, the new people you're going to bring in, Father. Lord, for the hearts that are going to be changed today. God, because I believe this word, though harsh, hard to understand at times, God rings true. So Lord, I pray right now that you would speak to the hearts of your people. Tell them who you are. Affirm in them your presence, your word, your direction, Jesus, and that they would go forward with confidence today. Because you are who you said you are. And I just thank you for these things. In Jesus' name.